It is Locked on Jazz for the 27th of June. The case for Alex Jensen as the Utah Jazz next head coach. NBA free agency. What are the dominoes that need to fall? And let's go scan the menu of a few more teams. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. My pow didn't work. My little thing didn't play. Wonder why. Well, who knows? Still me here. You didn't get the little sounder and all the regular stuff. You're probably feeling very unloved right now. Oh, there it is. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for making us your first listen. And we are free and available everywhere you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. Thanks very much for tuning in, being a part of the YouTube community. If you're interacting there, please give us a like or five stars. If you're on YouTube, on a podcast app, it's greatly appreciated. Um, all right, a few little reports are out there with Jazz. A um, few things I want to discuss. First off, day late, happy birthday to Rudy Gobert. Rudy's just an incredible dude. Um, we did see that Rudy took off Utah Jazz from his Instagram bio this weekend, which is kind of an unnerving thing. Reddit was all over the fact that Mike Conley has started following the Los Angeles Clippers on Twitter. We are seriously in the midst of all of the rumors and all of everything. Rudy uh, still has all of his Jazz pictures up and things like that, but he did, he did take Utah Jazz off his bio, which is not a great feeling. I, I I adore Rudy the player. I like Rudy the person even more. I like what Rudy's done in this community of people even knew even more than that. Um, the idea that we could have a week here in which, or the next week in which Rudy Gobert is no longer a member of the Utah Jazz is just really hard for me to swallow um, on a personal note, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right, a few other notes. Um, the Jazz coaching surf search continues. And as we told you from the beginning... The first kind of part of the search was this kind of get hello, how are you, get to know, hour-long Zoom, bunch of people on the call, just kind of question and answer. Stage two was kind of a meeting, a little bit more sophisticated, detailed meeting. And stage three is actually meeting with Ryan Smith. And I think think, uh, a few other members of the ownership group. So I think Dwayne Wade, and I would guess... um, uh, this guy Sweeney from XL, who's out of the Bay Area, who has a kind of a big role, and Ryan really trusts. He's a, probably like the most, maybe the most successful VC guy in the country. Really is. If I had him in my back pocket as a owner of an NBA franchise, I would certainly have him involved as well. Um, so anyway, I think we've reached. Kind of my understanding is we've reached that stage. Um, that now is the time for the. The ownership conversations. So the report that came out this week about Will Hardy, who we talked about earlier on the show, super bright, young, interesting, um, great backstory out of Williams College in um, 
in Massachusetts, a Division Three player, been coaching USA Basketball with Pop, with Pop, now with the Celtics. You know, just incredible exposure at a young age. Um, as the lead candidate, I, I would the way I might phrase that is after, if, let's go with the fact, let's go with I'm assuming that the reporters all have done their job, um, that maybe is after stage two, Will Hardy has emerged as a lead candidate. And I, you know, it's kind of like if you're running a race, there are certain stages that have to, so now it's time for the kick, right? And the closing kick to it. And uh, I, I, so I don't know, I don't know that if you're the lead candidate after stage two, it's certainly better than not being the lead candidate, if in fact this is true. But I don't think it means like that truly, like they're on, that, that we're going to have an announcement that they're hiring Will Hardy tomorrow. Now, Will Hardy continues to be just a wow factor in all the interviews, including the ownership interview. Um, then he proceeds and maybe he runs, you know, wire to wire, right? But if you're thinking about it as a horse race and it's an eight furlong race, we're kind of through five furlongs. And now we got the third, last three furlongs to go and we'll see what happens. I I have consciously not talked a great deal about Alex Jensen and Johnny Bryant in this coaching search because I know both of them and um, have had good interactions with both of them, enjoy both of them, have been to dinner with both of them. And so that if I were to go make a huge case for one of those two, pretty unfair on my part when I I don't know Will Hardy other than I've interviewed him three or four times before summer league games when he was a Spurs summer league head coach and he was perfectly polite and nice, but I have no interaction with him. I've never met Charles Lee at any point in my time. I've never met Kevin Young. Um, I've interviewed Jason Terry a bunch, probably know a lot about Jason Terry because of my Seattle connections and can ask people. And, and and so I know these two candidates at just so much of a higher level. Um, but I thought there was a value to just, rather than talking about Alex Jensen, all the other candidates I've run through, I've kind of talked about. I told you the backstory of Charles Lee. I told you the backstory of Will Hardy. We'll do the backstory of Kevin Young as the week progresses. We'll, we'll continue to do this as the thing. But in the case of Alex Jensen, you know the backstory. He's been a jazz assistant coach. He's out of Viewmont High School. His mom was a teacher. He... Right. He's um, he went to the University of Utah. He was with Majerus. Like you guys know the story. So let's let's make the case for Alex Jensen instead. Now, this is a little different than what I've done for the other coaches, because I don't actually know those coaches well enough to make the case for them. And so I want to kind of clarify. I'm not necessarily saying that I think Alex Jensen should be the head coach. I think he'd be great. Um, but I'm sure there's five to eight of these guys would be great. The one comment I've gotten from someone on this coaching search is this tells them that the future coaches, the future coaches of the NBA, if in fact this group is that, are, are, are going to be, they're going to be different and they're going to be strong, right? You're going to have former players like a Sam Cassell or a Jason Terry. You're going to have longtime assistants like a Charles Lee, a Will Hardy. You're going to have some G League coaches like an Alex Jensen. You're going to have Johnny Bryant who comes up through player development and that these are the future coaches of the NBA and the NBA is really, really in strong, in strong situation. So, um, so I think that that's, um, I think that's the way to, to kind of view this situation. So here's the case for Alex. We did the data and it shows, while the data was noisy, it did show that those people that had had success at the G League and were really, really good G League coaches were the ones who've had almost universal success other than Nate Bjorkson in Indiana as a head coach of the NBA. So Alex's resume, which goes from college to the NBA to the to the G League to then assistant coach is is the script 
by which, from a, just a data standpoint and a path that has had a great deal of success. And so the fact that he's been a head coach, he was a G League coach of the year, he has run a, uh, a team before, he's been in the CEO seat. Well, in that case, it's a smaller group, and you've, but you're still making your own mistakes, you're learning, you're interacting, you're doing all of those things with, as a head coach, is a, is a really valuable skill that you to be a head coach. The second one, I would say, is who he's been around. His two biggest influences are Rick Majerus and Quinn Snyder. You really couldn't have two more brilliant basketball minds that are more, that are more different. Like Majerus is kind of a grumpy cynic, and Quinn is like an ultimate optimist. And the influence, while both of them being mad scientists, geniuses as a head as a head coach, and basketball geniuses. Well, Quinn's probably just a genius. Majerus was a basketball genius. Um, and I also think Majerus was one of the most flawed human beings you'll ever be around as well. And so, kind of seeing how he was able to overcome those flaws might be equally um, as valuable. The, the third thing on Alex that would be, if I was making the case for Alex, would be he's a different voice. He's very kind of cool, calm. He's not quite flatline. That would be the wrong description of him um, because there's certain plenty of fire in his, in his belly and the flatline. But he isn't one who's wildly running emotions. You kind of know what you're going to get every single day. You're not opening practice wondering, what do we got today? Do we have the, you know, he's not he's not going to be one who's prancing around. The, but he's going to jump you when he needs to. I mean, he's coached and developed Rudy and with some real hard love over the years. And so it's not as though he's not willing to get into you. He's just doing it very differently. The fourth one on him would be player development, right? We've seen him. He has the player development skill with Rudy. The fifth one and the most interesting for me, if I was making the case for Alex Jensen, which I am, would be something that is really different about this coaching search for the Utah Jazz is the fact that we're not sure what this roster is going to be. If we knew we were running it back in a very similar fashion and holding that roster for the next three years, then I would be honest, I think Terry Stotts is unquestionably the best coach. He's got a great track record. He's won a bunch of games. He's been there. We don't actually know that. We could run it back here and it doesn't start to work. And In February, we change our mind. Or in next June, we change our mind. We could be making one last run for it, stay over the tax, then got to get under the tax, and so we're ending there. We could be moving forward in a totally different fashion in the next you know, you know, three weeks. So it's a really interesting situation in which, and that's what I think makes hiring here most difficult. There's some stereotypes to this that are probably not entirely accurate. If you look at someone like Charles Lee or Will Hardy, who've never been head coaches, your instinct is to say that they would be best if we were in rebuilding and you gave them some time to grow. It's what Danny did with Doc Rivers. It's what Danny did with... Um, Brad Stevens is really, they had a roster that let them kind of develop and get better and better as head coaches. Um, And so that would be the instinct is to say that, well, if you're rebuilt, reloading, roster changing dramatically, that one of these Kevin Young, Will Hardy, Charles Lee, those type of coaches would be the right choice. And the other answer would be to say that if you're keeping this thing together, that a Terry Stotts, a Frank Vogel type um, would be would hold, would be the right choice. What happens if we don't know? That's where I think the best argument for Alex Jensen comes to play. Is that Alex Jensen is probably the candidate 
that could bridge either of these two things. He knows the current roster. He knows the current guys. He understands who they are. He understands all the inner inner workings. He understands the tension points. And he could work this group through and navigating, understanding where they've been if there's not going to be massive change. But then if there is massive change in February or in June of next year or July of next year, here's a guy who's been a G League head coach. He's been on the development side understands that has a really fundamental, simple belief on how he believes basketball should be played and would be able to institute a culture to a younger, different team that's moving forward. And so his ability to bridge either side of this, I think makes him a really interesting candidate. So that would be kind of the backstory on Alex Jensen. Um, And we'll look at more of the coaches as the week continues. NBA free agency starts midday on the 1st. So I think that's If I have it right, Thursday of this week, um, that's usually how it works, though it's not always. Um, 28th is Tuesday, 29th is Wednesday, oh, maybe it's Friday. Um, So it's maybe Friday of this week. And and I'm going to walk you through kind of the dominoes that are going to fall in free agency, and then we'll go look at the menus um, that are out there. Today's a Monday edition of Locked on Jazz. It's brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Chevy. Located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan, the Chevy lineup of cars. It's on, really, the truck lineup, there's just nothing better, right? There's nothing better than the Silverado. There's nothing better than the Colorado. And then the SUV is stunning. Lineup is, I think, better than people realize. We obviously all know the um, great lineup of, of the Tahoe and the Suburban. But then you also come down to the Traverse and the Equinox and the new Blazer. Fabulous lineup of cars, and the Volt is getting great reaction from people on the electric car end of things. That's all over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross. Also located, Logan, if you're heading there and you're looking for a vehicle, please email me first. I'll set you up with a VIP meeting over at Murdoch Chevy, dlock09 at gmail.com. The Murdochs, they're not charging more than MSRP um, in this whole despite the car shortage, despite they're staying true to their word of being a member of the community. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online as you covered this season with more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Go to betonline.net, get all the latest things in sports that are out there and all the lines, Major League Baseball going on. I always love looking at over-under on Major League Baseball on a given day. So they think that the Dodgers-Rockies game in Colorado tonight will have the most runs scored. That kind of makes sense because it's in Colorado. And then the pitcher's duel game of the day is Wainwright against Lopez when the Marlins play the Cardinals today. The over-under on that is at 7.5. And And the Orioles against the Mariners, Wells against Kirby, uh, is the other low one of the day. The NBA uh, odds are... Out there as well, NBA futures for the championship next year. The Warriors at plus 500, the Clippers at plus 600, Celtics plus 700, Bucks plus 750, and the Lakers plus 800 for no particular reason why, particularly when they're over under on wins. Also available right now is just 46.5. So feel free to uh, jump on that. And they also have uh, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, Paulo Benchero. Well, Paulo Benchero averaged 17.5 points a game. That's the over-under on him. Jaden Ivey's points per game is at 12.5. I'm going over there because Detroit, doesn't, without Grant, doesn't have any other scores. That's all at betonline.net. All right. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. 
Make your second listen, Locked On NBA. Or if you've not followed Locked On Sports today, it's available for you. It's absolutely outstanding. It's also available for you on multiple uh, OTT apps. But if you're an OTT Roku watcher of things, just download one of the Tegna stations. We don't have one in Utah, so King 5 in Seattle. You can get uh, Locked On Sports today and all your Locked On shows as well. They're also available on YouTube. It's probably an easier way to do it. All right. um, I wanted to just kind of run through what I think the dominoes are for free agency. So as we get ready for it, we kind of know. And dominoes usually have to fall before actions fall, but not always. So the first one is obviously what's going on in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Is Kyrie Irving really moving? And if Kyrie Irving's really moving, is Kevin Durant really moving? If Kevin Durant's moving, there are teams going to sit, keep their powder dry to make sure they're available to at least make a run for Kevin Durant. And those are going to be some of the biggest franchises that are out there looking to do that. And that's going to hold back a little bit on free agency. Right? So now, if it's Indiana or Sacramento, or something like that, they're probably not going to be able to make a run for Kevin Durant. But any of the franchises that kind of naturally run to your mind, they'll be able to make a run for Kevin Durant, are probably not franchises are franchises that are going to have a hard time getting a deal done. I think Atlanta's one of those. I think if Kevin Durant's available, Atlanta thinks they can go get Kevin Durant. It's a great city. They have Trey Young. They would be a really interesting stage of their development. They could put together a hell of a package for Brooklyn. And so I actually think that 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 is a franchise that Atlanta, where all the rumors involving John Collins and possibly him trading, I think are holding. The other one that wildly might be out there would be San Antonio. I don't think they're there, but you never know with Pop. Does Kevin Durant have a relationship with Pop from USA Basketball and that that would somehow make it so that, remember, Jason Kidd and... Other players have looked at San Antonio because of Pop in a way that San Antonio, the marketplace, probably doesn't deserve. So I think there are going to be teams watching this Kyrie Irving. Now, Wednesday's a huge day. This is the opt-in day for Kyrie Irving, for James Harden. We're going to know a lot more. So really, the first domino is Wednesday. The second domino that everyone's going to be, a lot of people are going to be sitting back and could hold this market is the Kyrie Irving-Kevin Durant dynamic. The third one is Bradley Beal. Every indicator right now, if you read Woj, you read Pelton, you read everybody, is that the Bradley Beal is going to uh, take his opt-out, re-sign, five-year, $234 million deal with Washington, take his money and go down as a legend in Washington. Um, And so that'll just take him off the market and really take Washington off the market, which doesn't matter a great deal. That's a minor domino. The only reason that's a domino is because if for some reason that goes the other way, it makes the market changes dramatically. Nobody expects that, but that would be a real turn out of left field. That would be a domino coming in from the side that none of us expected. Trades. There are three or four or five names. Some of them are ours, right? We've said this a lot. We have two of the top 20 players in the NBA. They both are being talked about in trade rumors. Whether they're actually traded or not is not clear, but they're both being discussed a great deal. So the five players that have been discussed the most are John Collins out of Atlanta, and everyone thinks he's going to be moved. We might have to have Brad Rowland of Lockdown Hawks on our podcast to find out why. Um, Because, boy, numbers-wise and everything else about John Collins seems super appealing, and I'm a little confused on why they're so eager to move him. Number two is DeJounte Murray, which is really interesting because DeJounte Murray has been the number one piece of the San Antonio Spurs throughout their rebuild, and now all of a sudden... 
They and he made an All Star game last year. They they clearly believe he's at peak value right now to what he could be. Now he's not a good shooter. He beat us on the mid range game and did some things. And it's hard for us to believe he's not a very good shooter. But he's not a great shooter. So is there something there where he, as a not very good shooter, they've actually realized he's limited? Um, he came with a little bit of a checkered background that slid him down to 29 in the draft, maybe inappropriately so. I'm not sure any of the things that were on his checklist were his fault, but his surroundings, has some of that perked up? Because it's just strange to me that they're willing to move him or they're just trying to really do a massive rebuild and he's their piece um, to move it. The Pacers' Malcolm Brogdon continues to be talked about a lot, makes some sense because of Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and where they are as a franchise and what they've acquired. And so that does make some sense. And Indiana falls into the same thing that I've talked about with the Utah Jazz. And that is you have three ways to build your franchise. If you're a team, draft, trades, and free agency. Indiana and Utah can't do as much with free agency as one of the six markets that can. We don't have draft picks. Indiana does have some draft picks. But if you have someone like Malcolm Brogdon, it might be best if you moved him before his contract expires and you get nothing for him. If you're Indiana or you're Utah or you're Portland or you're most franchises in the NBA and you have a player on your roster and their contract expires and you get nothing for them, it's a huge loss in roster development for the future. It's it's because there's only so many ways you can build your roster. So those, those trades are kind of lingering out there. And then from a free agency standpoint on kind of active moves, the Knicks and Jalen Brunson is an important one. But I think that Domino's waiting to make sure they're not ending up with Kyrie Irving or, frankly, wondering whether Kevin Durant will be available. So the Knicks are a team that I think has to keep their powder dry until they watch what happens with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and then makes their move. And then the final kind of domino that I actually think is going to be really important here is Detroit. Detroit has enough cap space and also has enough freedom to screw with someone on a restricted free agent. Now, I don't think it's DeAndre Ayton anymore because when you just start to do the math on what they're paying centers between Isaiah Stewart, who's a great backup center, and then Duran, who they just drafted, I can't see them paying $30 for another center. And that would be DeAndre Ayton. Though DeAndre Ayton is super good. And so maybe you shouldn't be worrying about roster development in that circumstance. Um, or, you know, you can you can fix those things as time goes on. But it does seem kind of as a weird allocation. I would suspect they go after wing. Miles Bridges and Charlotte's a restricted free agent. Did they go put a massive offer on Miles Bridges? little risky, but it may... Charlotte already has Gordon under Matt's contract. Haven't been able to move him yet. They have LaMelo Ball coming still. Like, it'll be interesting to see if Charlotte, you have to match, frankly, because you can't afford to let that player go. A little bit of what we just talked about with the three ways you build your franchise. But it'll be interesting to see whether they can make it painful enough. And Detroit has the luxury. The wait period is so short now. Detroit completely has the luxury to do that as one of the few teams that have cap rooms. All right, let's go look at the menu. We'll look at the Indiana Pacers menu. We'll look at a few other teams' menus. We'll run through three or four of them because we're so far behind on that um, as when we as we continue here on Locked On Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for the local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Plus... 
Why pay 30, 50, or even 100% more on parts from a chain store or a car dealership? You instead can go to a family-run business that serves do-it-yourselfers for over the last 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. So whether you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer, Rock Auto has everything you need from tail lamps to brake parts to even new carpet. Every part your car will ever need. And you can go explore the easy-to-use old-school website today. There's no flash There's no marketing. It's just an easy place for you to go find your parts. It's like a massive inventory available for you at rockauto.com, and it's way cheaper. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Please, when you go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available right locked on in the How Do You Hear About Us box. That would help us out a bunch. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear Us About box. It's Rock Auto. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz today and making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. It is immensely appreciated. We'll be back with you again tomorrow doing various of the same things along the way. Locked On NBA is continuing to cover all of the national stories for your free agency and all the rest. All right, let's go play with... I think we looked at Indiana, but let's just kind of take a quick look at Indiana and... Utah, if there's anything here. Buddy Heald's at $22 million a year. Um, he's got three years left on his deal, or two years left on his deal. Um, you know, it's, he's an actually, you know, I'll throw it out there because the numbers match. I, I, would anyone do Buddy Heald for Mike Conley? I kind of think both sides might do that, actually. The numbers match, um, and is, is why I mention it. Um, Buddy Heald has not been kind of thought of as a winning player. He's one of the best catch-and-shoot guys in the league. His contract's super interesting because it goes from 21 to 19. Um, and so it goes in the right in that direction. Malcolm Brogdon is a 30-year-old point guard who's at 22.6 this year, 22.5 next year, and 22.5 the year after. From a Jazz standpoint, Brogdon's interesting next to Donovan because of size. He's not an elite athlete, and he does want the ball in his hands. The other thing, with two years left on his deal... If the Jazz kind of go into a rebuild and try to get out of the tax, that's that's a burden, right? Mike's contract comes off, is not all the way guaranteed. Um, I don't know that I think necessarily that either of these two deals is crazy. If you're Indiana, Mike Conley has some value to you as a point guard that settles things, back in his hometown as a veteran. You're off of Brogdon's $22 million for the next three years, which is probably what they want to do. Or you're off of Buddy Heald's $20 million for each of the next two years. Both of those are 30 Their timelines don't match where you are. Both of those bring a different, unique skill to the Utah Jazz. Um, so it's, that's, an, that's not a crazy... Neither of those, to me, seem to be crazy. Um, Brogdon's interesting to me because just whether he fits... There's kind of an intern called arch, archetype player. I mean, he's 6'5", 230. And so... It would definitely make us a lot bigger, which would be great because we're just too small. The other one, though, is he, you know, he's a 20 point a game scorer, has the ball in his hands, a great deal. And, uh, you know, can we handle that? Um, and can he handle playing with, um, with Donovan? The other one on Brogdon is he's not an elite athlete and he's not stay, staying healthy. 54 games, 56 games, and 36 games the last three years. And that's probably why Indiana wants off of that. Um, to some extent. Buddy Heald's interesting because Buddy Heald was the number one catch-and-shoot player and then suddenly kind of ventured into shooting way more off-the-bounce threes, 
forcing up a lot more threes than he was before, which might be fine. Um, and he dropped from 39, four, he was 43%. He dropped to 39, 39, and now he's at 36. He's just an elite level shooter in the league. He's also, he's 6'4", 220. Um, he is not a good defensive player uh, and has not been. Uh, and, and, you know, Sacramento was really tired of him. Now, I, I generally would say any player that's been coached by Luke Walton um, has moved on to his next spot and had massive success, including Jordan Clarkson. Um, so if you get Luke Walton talent along the way, they beca- they seem to make kind of a fairly big jump at some point in time in the process. The other one that's really interesting on Buddy Heald is in his 26 games with Indiana after the trade, his two-point shooting went through the roof. And I would don't have the act, and his assists went through the roof. This is a guy who was known as a non-passer, non-ball mover, gunner, and he went from generally having about two assists, maybe three a game to five. And he went from having four rebounds to five. And he went from shooting kind of around 46% on two-point shots to 55%. So I'd really be interested to dig in to his 26 games in Indiana and what he did differently. Because it might tell you something. All right, Miami um, is interesting because they want to make moves. Duncan Robinson is sitting here on a four-year contract and did not play in the playoffs. Now, that should be, on one level, a red flag that he didn't play in the playoffs. On the other level, he's you know one of the great spacers on the floor, but he's getting paid 16.9 next year, 18, then 19, then 19.8 on a player option, and then um, I think 20 on a club option after that or something of the sort. Um, and But he did not play... Uh, 29 in the last on a cap hold in his last year. So, um, you know, he, he, this, the positive on this is you would have Duncan Robinson under contract for three more years on the negative side is, you know, clearly there was something about his game that meant that the Miami heat did not want to keep him, uh, on the floor and he didn't play in the playoffs. You have to dig into what that was. Was it physical? Was it mental? Why did he not play in the playoffs? Um, to see what's going on there. They're not going to move Jimmy Butler. They're not going to move Bam out of Bayou. So there's not anything um, there to look at. The next one would be the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the Bucks have a bunch of kind of pieces on the side that are that get interesting, um, that open up for trades after July 1st. Pat Connington, Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen. Um, all of those are little interesting and little tiny pieces that fit together. Um, none of them are franchise-changing players, and they all fit Milwaukee pretty well. John Horse has done an amazing job there of kind of having players that match. Um, they're not moving Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Brooke Lopez is on the best contract in the NBA at 13.9. If his back is good. Um, Connington's at 5.7 with one year left. Bobby Portis is a player option. We'll have to uh, see what he does this year if he exercises. I doubt it. I bet he'll sign as a free agent. And then George Hill's got $4 million left. If you're looking just, you know, George Hill, 36 years old at this point, is probably just your backup point guard at $4 million. And we'll see what his body is. He pro- There's no reason for him to leave Milwaukee. Um, so you're really talking a Pat Connaughton, who's a nice player, 5.7, or reacquiring Grayson Allen at some point um, with Milwaukee, if any of those or either of those are at all interesting um, to you. All right, we'll continue to run through rosters and try to get through more as we have this kind of four-day span here and try to jam through two or three teams each day. New York, Orlando, Philadelphia, maybe Toronto, Washington. We'll try to finish the East um, on tomorrow's show. It is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in.
We'll see how this all plays. A lot of exciting days, big news ahead of us. Nervous, excited, anxious, wondering where it's all going for the Utah Jazz. We'll keep an eye on it here on Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast Locked on NBA.